You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by, animé par, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Hey, welcome everyone to our 102nd episode of Dirty Feet. Uh, today we're welcoming uh, artists who will be presenting at Tangente. Uh, so this week on October 30th, 31st, November 1st and November 2nd. Uh, it will be presented at the Studio de Quebec du Monument National. So with us today is the artist Bettina Hoffman, who is presenting the piece Isolation, and Marie Saint-Amand Williamson and Zohar Milnek, who will be presenting Nation Individual. So first of all, hi everyone, how are you doing today? Very good. Great. <laughs> yeah. good. Hi. <laughs> so uh, for uh, former listeners of Movement Museum, they might remember that we did welcome Mary and Zohar back then for the Peace Collective Individual. That was in uh, 2013, and uh, we're very happy to welcome it again. And this is our first time with Bettina Huffman. Uh, so the pieces that you are presenting, um, it's in a way, well, it's a first for each of them, first of all. Like, it's the first time that you're presenting those specific works in Montreal, right? Somewhat. I, I, I presented a f very s simple version of isolation uh, a year ago at the Darling Foundry, but that was just one evening. It was their, um, what is it, a fundraiser evening uh, they do every year. So that was there, I mean, in a different space, and now it's uh, developed for a stage. Okay. I don't know if it was so simple. It was, no, it was it not. It was quite... Well, no, I just think the treatment was quite interesting because it was multi-level. Different parts of the Darling Foundry were used, including Bettina's studio, a stairwell, a um, uh, hallway, because it's quite a dynamic space, the foundry. Mm -hmm. So, not to... No, simple. I meant more a first version. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's different. It changes yeah. when it's all in one space. That's true. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, for us, we did... Um, the show that we're presenting in Tangente is the it's kind of a combination of two shows that we previously did in Montreal. Um but this is again uh similar to Bettina our kind of revision revisioning mm -hmm. those two shows and uh it's the first time we're combining them. Uh so we kind of gathered uh different uh parts of the show shows that we liked and we kind of puzzle, puzzled them together. Uh, the soundtrack and the the images are still very similar. But some of it has changed. We've done both choreographies here in Montreal, um, mostly uh, Nation's Legacy of Severance was done in kind of non-traditional spaces, like a, a former gallery. We also performed it in Berlin at a artist uh, squat, or which is now like a cultural center, and then outside in Paris. So it's it's not only shifted in terms of adding new choreography from another uh, dance or another score, but it's also shifting each time in terms of the space. So the space has played a really big role in determining the choreography. The opening of the piece has changed because of the 
platforms, those metal platforms at uh, Monument National. You know the mm -hmm. the escalator. The, I'm making an image with my fingers, around. and no one can see that. <laughs> yeah, this the walkway. This is one of the sadnesses about right. podcasting. We don't see what the artists are doing. But yeah, for the walkway, you're mm -hmm. saying basically that you're going to be bringing this into the performance. Mm -hmm. You'll be using the space mm -hmm. as is, yeah, rather I think than just a Marley space. Yeah, our shows were always about really kind of taking into consideration where we're presenting mm -hmm. them, and now it, it's it's the same. Space. So it changes a little. And with a uh, space like uh, Monument National, as part of Tangent, I guess you didn't really get any time in the space to create the piece <laughs> no no <Not> yet. <laughs> nothing <have> some time <laughs> this <Not> week <laughs> we have like two the two days before the show yeah. we have time which is actually you know that's that's great that's better than no days before the show Clearly. <laughs> and since all three of you uh and i might be reaching right now but seem to be influenced by the space where you're presenting works Uh, having done a lot of in-situ or site-specific works, how does it feel to be presenting a work now in a space like that that has a lot of character mm. without getting to uh, explore how you can use it as material for for your pieces? I was um, When I saw the, the space the first time, I was quite impressed. It's really like a black mm -hmm. hole in mm -hmm. a way. So I, I like that. And the, the stage is pretty much square. So I thought that was an interesting um, interesting constraint uh, for the piece. But I'm not using anything else from that space. I really want the black box. And uh, I have very little elements which will stick out quite uh, strongly which is just a conference table an office chair and something like a huge door we could say and that's it and that i could see uh, i imagine quite uh, interesting so very um, simple geometric square you know in that kind of simple square space uh, in your case bettina as uh, as part of the project you mentioned in the, the press release uh well this office space But the Tangent space, the Monument National space at Studio de Quebec, there's something a bit grungy about it. There's something that it feels very, um, uh, like it, it feels like an old factory to some extent with the, the uncovered walls, like the brick walls and everything. But they will be hopefully covered, okay. so they won't be so um, dominant. And then, yeah, there's this this whole metal structure, the mezzanine, and those things. But this is um, this. It won't be. Also, we have a curtain in the back, mm -hmm. so that would be. I think. I hope we have that uh, impression. It's just it's quite neutral in a way. You know? So you wanted to sanitize the space to some S extent. Or? Sanitize? No, I want uh, the space just be the physical space, but not bring in too much atmosphere. I think. Okay. And this, but I yeah, sanitize. Maybe I uh, I want to use it as a very clean space, mm -hmm. clean, empty, and just with those few objects and certainly the four dancers in it. And, uh, I mean, with, with uh, something like an office space, which itself has a strong connotation, an office space nowadays represents a, a sort of, of way of life in society nowadays, which, mm -hmm. which is, again, very um, pared down, which, which uh, is all about efficiency, which is all about mm -hmm. production. 
do you feel that uh, by stripping away the meaning of the walls of the space this is is this streamlining the production for you like is there uh, something is there a message about removing everything that is not useful in the space as part of the artistic vision uh, yeah for me the office space is not defined by the walls it's more like i define it by an office chair and a conference table conference mm -hmm. table also you know people gather um, but there's also something about uh, conference table that means someone has a better spot to sit. Mm -hmm. There's hierarchy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also it's quite large. But on the other hand, it's also they're coming together. It's but it's not a community. It's yeah they do teamwork, but it's it's not really they don't yeah it's it's teamwork yeah but uh, no community. So there's also a lot of. Um, um, competition in office space. You have to behave well, correct. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be too individual or, you know. And this I find really interesting. And so I reduce the office space to those things like uh, conference table and uh, one, one only one office chair, which rolls, which is also interesting because it's a it's a wheelchair. You mm -hmm. know, and this I like also the notion of the office chair being a wheelchair. Yeah. So um, yeah. The costumes, sorry, also indicate are signifiers of the of the environment as well because the clothing that is worn is. I worked in an office, so I I I can identify with the like it's kind of like a prison. You know, they tell you mm -hmm. what to wear, when you can have your lunch, when you can go home, what you can do, what you have to do while you're there, and there are very specific unless you make a lot of money working in that office. The clothing that you choose is and the cubicles. Yeah. So again, very jail cell yeah. representation. Yeah, it's like uniform uh, mm -hmm. clothing. So they lose their individuality. Mm -hmm. Those people. <laughs> so, but they also get crazy in the play. So, yeah. which is nice. But they never. Well, I don't want to say too much. Right. They never get free. I think. But they are mm. trying things. But they always they remain confined in that mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. And for Mary and Zohar. Um, of course, I haven't seen this this new version of the piece, but with collective individual that you'd presented before, there was a, a different type of entrapment there, mm. which was uh, more about war, about conflict. Mm. Is this something that remains prominent in, in this new version of the piece? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely more so because we're combining elements from Nation's Legacy of Severance, which had a lot to do with isolation. Actually, uh, the film version we have we have of the of that show is uh, was shot in uh, this old uh, factory building. Atelier Jean Brio. And it really gave kind of a sense of um, extreme isolation. After kind of you follow the the path of those two individuals um, in the space by themselves, kind of going in between states of sanity, insanity, psychological issues that they're dealing with you really sense the the isolation element as a part of kind of that space it looks kind of like a cave too so um definitely with collection collection in uh, collective individual and nation's legacy of severance there's um there's a lot to do with it as well isolation yeah i would say more like it's um they play back and forth i mean the the piece that you saw i think is more uh, obviously, the the two figures are quite isolated from each other in the beginning, and then they come together. So um, 
Is the question about isolation? Well, the question <laughs> is mostly about, because uh, we talked about the, um, the confinement of the office space. Okay. And in your case, there's a different kind of, of confinement, mm, which would confinement. be caused by the war, caused by conflict. And again, I, I guess the idea of hierarchy also is present to some extent in your work. I think that there's, as we talk about it, as I talk about it now, and as I think about it, and even in relation to the question you asked about the space, um, it's going to change when we bring it into the space. Mm -hmm. We're just imagining it. But also the idea of the way I've been kind of spinning it in my head is that it's a workspace. It's a job site. So we're working, whether we're in... Um, like uh, prisoners of war or um, having to work for a war effort. There's certainly a war element to it, which is something that is actually quite relevant, I think, um, at any time, even in the last 13 years in Canada and also um, from the different places that we're all from. But that space at Monument National is... Um, the audience is on... the. They are, they're raked, the, yeah. yeah, so they're looking down at us, and we're working. So we are working for them, and they are kind of watching a workspace. So in some ways, um, the confinement is, uh, um, is inherent in the space, but it has quite high ceilings, you know. It's just that there are these brick walls, and then there's all this metal um, above us. So I think... Um, it's confining in some senses, but I'm not sure if that's what will happen because we haven't actually performed it in this space. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure, I think it's going to change. The work is going to change. Actually, I feel the space is warmer hmm. than everything. Than the yeah, and everything, everywhere else that we performed it before. Hmm. And also the way the, um, the video interacts with the space, we're going to project it on a curtain and we're going to be sometimes performing behind the curtain while there's video so there's kind of the images are matched with our with our body movement and and that kind of also gives it a, a warmer aesthetics in general to the whole performance that we haven't done before that's kind of the sense that i get back when you did it at the may uh what were you projecting on again i don't remember was it against the wall or was uh, just it just a screen a screen yeah, yeah. A screen. regular screen okay but now it will be against a curtain how does that impact the images on the video you feel it's, it's th see-through okay so um the curtain is black and uh you see all the um, elements, the kind of the industrial elements of the space behind it. Mm -hmm. So you see the escalator, and you would see us when we're there behind the, the curtain. Mm. With those projects, you, you've been, for all three of you actually, uh, Montreal audiences might not know you as well because uh, for a lot of you, you've been presenting in performances that are not typical dance performance mm -hmm. spaces, um, either again site specific or in situ, or in your case, Bettina, you come mostly from visual arts previously. Uh, what made you decide to apply to a, a space that is very much fundamentally a dance space, even though they, they have a very open, hmm. um, they're very open when it comes to the kind of artists they present, but it, it is still like fundamentally a dance hmm. space. Why did you decide to bring your works to Tangente? Well, I could, uh, I mean, being invited, you yeah, don't we say were no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, I see also my piece is, yeah, there are dance elements. It's maybe more physical theater, actually. Mm -hmm. 
But um, I, I feel fine in that context, certainly with uh, Tangent. Uh, mm -hmm. It's totally uh, appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, because in a, yeah, where, where does it fit? It's in between many things. And, but so does many, a lot of artists like this, where, where I mean, dancers perform in museums and so on. But I, I actually, I like the, the challenge of uh, changing the piece for stage. And I also like the stage. I like this very conventional notion that people sit there, they wait, it starts, it's running and then it's ending and then they go outside, they sit all on one side, you know, like really very simple, but I, I really enjoy that very much. I don't, uh, and yeah, for me it's a nice um, exploration um, to continue my work uh, in general and I will see where that leads to, maybe I do more in that sense. Um, but yeah, now it's uh, the first uh, time, yeah. Also, Tan Tangent's mandate is kind of like movement laboratory, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. they, they are very interested and open to have uh, performances that are out of the typical dance world norms, mm -hmm. like dance dance, mm -hmm. etc. But this is a pretty, like, they invited us to come, so we, of course, were... Um, grateful for mm -hmm. the f for the offer but also it is a very physical piece okay. <laughs> trust me it's really um it may not be dance in terms of like uh you know modern forms or or very um formal like it might not uh you may not see a particular movement or um a typical kind of dance vocabulary but it's certain it, there's it's movement and mm -hmm. it's very physical and there's no um, dialogue, you know. So it's Actually, my question was not so much more, are you bringing movement to mm. a space like Tangent, mm -hmm. but more, what interested you in bringing this to mm. a more traditional setting for mm -hmm. performance rather than the other way around? So not uh, more like you as artists, what do you feel from, uh, like what do you get out of presenting it in a space like that? Mm -hmm. Which is more of a which has more traditional codes of presentation. Right. I'm hoping um, that people will it will open the audience to the work, or people who maybe go to see shows at Tangent will come mm -hmm. and see it because we've had a lot of support from the visual arts community. Mm -hmm. They tend to respond really well, and musicians. A lot of musicians have come to our uh, shows and seen excerpts. We've done an excerpt at a. A poetry festival here in the city so reaching maybe uh, an audience that is more um, interested in seeing dance mm -hmm. perhaps or even just in that it's also that space I'm really excited to do the piece in that space mm -hmm. um, even more so than the May space I don't know quite why maybe because I'm really familiar with the space at the May mm -hmm. um, but this feels like something it is monumental yeah. Mm. <laughs> that just its very presence is quite um it is warm there's a lot of stone there's a lot of metal but it's also quite um uh mysterious and interesting yeah, I don't feel it so warm I find find okay. it's rather cold mm. and and not human mm. like like more yeah more industrial than anything else and maybe there's something romantic about this the presence of big steel mm -hmm. uh, whatever uh, columns or something but 
I, yeah, for me it was really uh, I, I I I remember an image from the film, which one is it? The Citizen Kane, where someone goes in a room mm -hmm. uh, in an archive, and it's huge. There's only one table. It's empty. There's this really severe woman who lets this person in. <laughs> yeah, he's someone who's researching on some documents, and then he sits there in this. A room with a very very high ceiling and is alone and for me it's like that so I would like mm. to, this to, to to show like this that's why I was thinking of using a smoke machine I have to see if I don't do this <laughs> might complicate things but uh, for me it's really this this high ceiling I hope it's still there when there are lights installed and everything that could also change a lot but this this is what I meant also with the black hole but it's not um, yeah it's it's dark mm -hmm. something very dark about that The access yeah. to the space also contributes to elements like that. I feel, Zora, you mentioned a cave earlier, because um, you're going down into the space. You're like really climbing down into mm. this very in industrial uh, factory, but just the, the physical relationship uh, to your body going into that space, really cl like crawling down into it. I feel that there's something really powerful for mm -hmm. an audience mm -hmm. when you're actually not climbing up or not just going straight in, but mm -hmm. actually going under the earth. I mean, it, not by mm -hmm. much, but granted, just the, the, the fact that your spatial relationship mm -hmm. to where you were changes. Is this something that uh, you feel, because the May doesn't have that, the May, it's on the main floor mm -hmm. in your case. Do you feel that the space itself, or even just the history of the space of being on Saint Laurent Street in uh, a spot that was basically the red light district mm -hmm. of Montreal. Mm -hmm. Does the history of the space like that or just its physical uh, implications change something for you when, when it comes to presenting the works at Monument now? I think it plays, a, it's, it's strong, mm -hmm. it's, it is present, certainly. And it's also, that's why it was right away, I thought that's great, the mm -hmm. perfect space, you know, to do something. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's all there. Also, when you go inside, when you're outside, you have the park in front, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with a totally different people. They will never go into the monument. Exactly. And, and it's a strange area. Also, it's close to, yeah, you have, yeah, and it's close to downtown, but it's, it's really... Uh, On the set? Yeah. So it is a very um, uh, complex um, space and area and neighborhood. I think it also holds a lot of um, um, importance and mm -hmm. value. And also when you mention it, people know the name and people outside of performance or dance or whatever, they, they're conscious of it or you explain where it is and it has a sort of resonance. It has a kind of authority. Um, there's something about it, I think, that makes it more official somehow mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like oh you're presenting there like that's an actual it has an actual um, presence on its own um, and it has a it's quite a beautiful uh, facade as well the mm -hmm. external part of the yeah. building is quite beautiful and uh, very uh, powerful presence mm -hmm. yeah so what do you feel about that <laughs> well it's a theater school no The building. Uh, the upstairs. It is the presentation space for the National Theatre School, but it's not where they hold most of their classes. Okay. Yeah, there's a performance space upstairs, right? A theatre I've been in that's yeah, quite they, different. They've got quite a few different spaces yeah. uh, in the Monmanas now, like different studios and theatres. There's like a proscenium stage, I think, or like a thrust stage upstairs. So it's quite different than what we're in. But yeah, it has a, it has a background. 
mm-hmm. has a history. Um, another element which I find really interesting in, in the case of this show is that um, both for you, Bettina, and for Zohar, you come from uh, visual arts first and foremost. Like Mary, you've been dancing basically your whole life. Mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and you've d- dabbled and done a lot in visual arts well, too. Well, I worked as a photographer for six years in Toronto, and the work that I showed there as an artist was uh, installation mostly and photography. Mm-hmm. But um, And then I did a little bit of performance work there. So that was for about six years. Okay. But for Zohar and Bettina, you come mainly from visual arts, this, this is one of the characteristics that really, uh, it, it's a different perspective, I guess is what I'm trying to say, yeah. from someone who's been in dance, who grew up dancing, mm. choreographing, and you're bringing this different perspective into a choreographic work. How do you, um, how do you approach the, the art of creating choreographies and creating dance? Like what brought you to, to, to dance as an art form? And how do you feel that your your lens, uh, when you create, will be applied to to dance? I mean, first of all, I don't know how a dancer would start choreographing work. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I can say for myself, I, I I'm not dancing myself, so I look at dancers and I propose uh, movements, and then I look at them, and I want them quite strange. Um, but also I want a certain intensity, so I decide everything visually. There's no concept, I don't know what the concept could be, but um, so uh, the dancers are improvising um, after I tell them what to do. There's always a constraint, so they should do a movement and then something constrains the movement or is even contradictory. And that's already creating, there's a reaction or there's an, a specific movement that uh, comes out of that which is awkward, which is um, unsettling, uh, or sometimes it's also funny. So I think also compared to my video work, the performance is much more funny. I think you can laugh much more. My video work is rather serious, uh, only serious. Or uh, But um, so this, it's difficult for me to compare myself with someone who's coming from dance because, but I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Could I say I really... And it's all about constellations of people, people together, how they touch, how they, uh, whatever they pull each other, they, they're on the floor. It's, it's also a lot like they're falling, they're on, in places where they shouldn't be, like crawling on the table. And this is my interest. So it's, I could imagine a, a choreographer would explore more the, the physicality of the, the body, doing more things, but I, I keep it in a rather normal, somewhat normal range of movements we do every day, but because they are, um, they have the wrong move, they have the wrong speed, or they, have, uh, they are applied in a wrong way, the action, so it looks, it's, it's, there's something wrong with that, or like off. And that's what I'm interested in. So sometimes you see this also in the street, someone's doing a movement and it looks really interesting or funny or something, uh, but it's something like this I want to provoke, that, that normal movements or normal actions look really, really different. I think directing 
and and choreography is very similar. So if it, I do come from a background of of directing for visuals for for cinema for video, and the difference is directing yourself and choreographing yourself and being the performer as well as the as the choreographer. That's for me what what is uh, what was a challenge, and. I think in in terms of um, comparing myself to someone that does come from a uh, uh, dance background more traditionally, I would say that maybe I have less boundaries about like the way the movement is or about um, kind of a, the aesthetics of of everything, you know, the physicality of of the show. And I'm not afraid of it being emotional or uh, expressive emotionally which is more considered theater, I would say. And I'm not afraid of uh, of making it look like sometimes it's not really dance. You know, and I think a lot of dancers are there too. You know, they don't, they have less and less boundaries. But I would think that because I don't come from that background, I have less fear um, coming into it. And just, I'm more open uh yeah less of a need of saying of proving oh yeah some way this what i'm doing is really dance yeah basically definitely but still i want it to be professional looking i want it to be aesthetically pleasing i want it to there's a lot of components to it you know it the the movement needs to be diverse because if it's not diverse it's not interesting Uh, if it's always it always looks the same and the physicality is the same regardless if it looks like dance or looks like physical theater or whatever it's still not very appealing so uh so there's a lot to think about there's a lot to think about that is beyond um kind of more robotic sense of dancing mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a presentation of of a space a presentation of of movers and a presentation of a whole directed piece Um, it's it's pretty long our show too, you know. So there's a lot to think about. Oh yeah, I was also thinking about another thing. Bec- uh, my piece is also I I divided it into acts actually, which are tab- like tableaux, so they're images in a way, which also it's like a short uh, video. Uh, and also, I, I see my video work also pretty much as images, tableaus. Uh, so where something happens, um, but it's not narration. It's there's a situation. There's some action movements, and uh, and this is not so unlike the the piece I'm showing. So there's also this um, sense of each tableau is pretty much four minutes long. Um, so maybe that's also I can't help I have to divide it like this for me that feels very um, it's a good rhythm to go from one piece to the other to also go from no motion at all to rapid motion and then in in between also so um, I I could imagine a choreographer from dance would come up with totally different um, images uh, just because uh, it's developed from the movement from the capacity of the body those things um, and there was something interesting so I said about yeah not not having constraints like I heard some often in theater they want to 
uh, change the uh, the conventions, and I I don't care. I I can take conventions or not. I don't. I'm totally free. You know, I don't have to do this post-modern uh, thing of also showing that this is theater. I I like it like this, and I I think it's not so conservative what I'm doing. I sometimes I also think it's there's something. I don't know. There was so much. Um, um, how is it called? Theater in the 20s, also in Germany, uh, Bauhaus, they did really strange theater pieces. I think there's maybe something related, or I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I have the feeling there's a certain aesthetic, like something very cold, geometric in my piece, mm -hmm. which even relates to that. It's, mm -hmm. it's also not, uh, there's no narration, even people talk and they use language, but it's not, it has nothing to do with dialogues. Mm -hmm. So it's very, everything is very, um, like I use those elements, the spoken word, French and English. And it's, I don't know how to, it's like an installation. You could have loudspeakers saying things or you could read those things, but now it's all live and people speak it. So there's also the installation aspect, I think is also quite mm -hmm. extreme. The space is really like, I, we, we, we figure out the timing for going from one place to another that has to be exactly this and so on. So, um, yeah. Also, I wanted to add something uh, that initially what interests me to get into the dance world or the that performance world is uh, our performers and choreographers and directors that are coming from a very rich background of visuals. So dance that is performance art mm -hmm. excellence, you know, like the, um, the Sasha Waltz, which everything about the space and about the costumes and about the lighting and about the, the performance, it's it's so so much about the visuals and Romeo Castellucci and even Pina Bausch, things like that that really interests me about the combination, you know, and not just about dancing beautifully because I am not coming from this background, you know. Bettina, you were mentioning to me before we started recording um, that for you, this, this new type of presentation, which is with an audience sitting down uh, while performers move in the space, you connected it to, uh, to when you would do photography or video, basically of having bodies and just catching the images, but this time with a live performance, the audience becomes the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the past, you still got to control that camera a bit when it was uh, moving from space to space. When it was uh, at the Fonderie Darling, it was different tableaus uh, strewn about in the space. But now your camera is a fixed point and mm -hmm. you don't have control over how you move it. How do you feel... Um, like, do, does it feel a bit unsettling for you since you usually have the control over the lens of this time not having that control? Um, it's it's not only the lens. Yeah, okay, the lens is also... Usually I'm very close to dancers for mm -hmm. my videos, so it's really close-ups. Uh, the camera is often motorized, so uh, and that uh, confines the space, which is visible. So I really, I work a lot for my dancers to move in that space, mm -hmm. so they can't do some movements they can't do because then they're not visible. So, and that defines, um, that. so the, this is the way I make the, the, the videos. But the camera is still, uh, it's, even if it rotates, it's, it's like this, this one 
view, it's like the audience sitting only on one side. So I have, for me, it's not so different. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are sitting more in the middle, more on the right, more on the left. But this, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested to to videotape this piece like from far away. It would be something totally different to translate it back into a video. But. I don't find this unsettling. There's something else which is very different because once um, I, I videotape, I redo it, redo it so many times until I have something which I find satisfying and then I can even slow down the speed a little bit, pretty much invisible. I can uh, add sounds uh, and make it really now it's fixed. So now you can see what you see, that's it. But with performance, um, I have to rely on my dancers uh, and they have quite some complex uh, things to do. There's a lot of timing. It should work uh, to be really great, uh, but it's also not so bad if it's not uh, really working. I, I, I think even when some things go really off, it's still great for the audience to see it uh, because, uh, I mean, I, I know exactly what I want, you know, I want... But um, there's still also improvisation in the piece, so there's always, it will vary, mm. that will be clear, mm. and I like that, uh, but I, I know I will sit there totally tense and hope they do it right, you know, <laughs> but, but it will be good, and even, I, I mean, we did it twice at the Darling Foundry, and it was two times different, and... Mm. It was still good. It was the essence was there. It was the same piece in a way, even so details were different. Mm -hmm. But uh, and this I find uh, on one hand quite uh, nice, and I feel really light about this. But in the end, after the show, that's it. There's nothing left, <laughs> and this is really strange. Mm -hmm. But I, I, for the moment, I really um, I, I like that experience very much. Yeah. Talking about this, the the ephemeral quality of a live performance uh, for Marian Zohar in your case you've decided to impose images so set images mm -hmm. onto the live performance mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about how you play with with this juxtaposition of an image on top of another image that is created live uh, live in the space for mm -hmm. the audience like how do you approach this like bringing um, a more organic image hmm. uh, with a more, you know, digital image together in for for the for the audience. I think it's a really uh, important question, not just that you're asking, but also that we ask ourselves mm -hmm. as artists, especially working in dance or working in movement with uh, video, because often um, the video is um, an accompaniment, but it's not. Uh, part of the the core de ballet or whatever like it's not part of they're not a performer in this particular uh video um accompaniment it's bodies moving and bodies moving um in very specific ways so i think it's actually quite um compelling the video and i think at times our choreography will uh reference the video not just while the video is playing but echoes of it happen throughout the entire piece so that it is integrated I think for me that's been the most important thing to make sure that it's integrated again we haven't really had a lot of opportunity to rehearse this time with it, it happens somewhat in the periphery um, of my mind I guess uh, but um, certainly with this particular uh, presentation we will be more integrated in it our, our actual bodies um, 
my concern generally with any video in any performance piece whether I'm the viewer or the performer is that the video itself is more interesting than what's happening live and I see this in Does like Does it detract from the live performance? Yeah. It's quite often a problem uh, when video is being used with live bodies. I think in this case it's it's okay because they, it goes back and forth and also mm -hmm. the video is quite stunning. It's quite beautiful. It's a video montage that uh, Zohar's created specifically for this piece and it's quite... Um, you know, everything that we include in the work, we agree upon on some, on most levels. So um, I think at times perhaps it is more interesting than what we're doing, but we've chosen to to make that uh, part of the piece, mm -hmm. right? So that yeah. you can actually look at it because our body is still while you're seeing a certain image, but you may want to speak to that, Zohar. Um, I wanted to just to add on, the move, uh, the movement, the bodies moving in the video that is integrated in with our performance. The bodies that are moving for a certain agenda or for a certain goal, and there's that movement that we're seeing in the video is kind of a choreographed mass mm -hmm. of bodies that are gathered for something to reach something, to reach certain goal or agenda, as I said. And that's something we wanted to address in our performance as well. Um, dance is something that is similar, and I think that it's, it's a big... I, a lot of times when I see dance and a video um, combined together, it doesn't work. Because I think if there's a video, the video should have space, it should have focus, it should have presence. And, and it, the, the play between performance and video needs to be very gentle very very clear to to the audience why did we choose those images at that specific point mm -hmm. and uh, as mary said uh, when there's not a lot of par parts of video there's one in the beginning which is kind of like the opening mm -hmm. of the show and one in the in the middle of the show and uh during those um during the videos we're doing very minimal movement so the actual video has focus and has presence Mm -hmm. that takes over the the space yeah they're it's like a they're collaborators <laughs> so it it's basically it's a choice like the use of the video is is not just we're gonna tag this on we're gonna yeah. put it there it's really we're integrating it and it becomes uh it's not an afterthought or anything like that that more and more I would like anything that I do to be um very specific very um, important choices mm -hmm. to the work so that the language of the piece is, is there's no other narrative coming in unless that's a choice but I think um, when you start out uh, presenting work you often have pressure from different technical uh, advisors or crews that well, why do you want this or we can't do this or we have to do this and more and more I see myself becoming that stereotypical kind of diva artist because it is it's so important the lighting, the sound, the video, the costumes. I mean, uh, Bettina's doing her own lighting, and eventually I would like to have more say in the lighting. I don't know how lighting designers are going to feel about that, but absolutely it's a very specific conscious choice, and it has to be because it becomes obvious. Um, the last piece that I saw, the Charles Cornejo piece, uh, Pure, at the May, every single detail was painstakingly chosen by him and he's a visual artist and he's a dance artist and you can tell mm -hmm. um, it's there's a different feeling 
when the artist leaves the space and when the show is over, uh, when all of those elements have been deeply considered and chosen and, ser and taken seriously. So that's, I think, um, eventually that's where I would like to go even further, even deeper, but certainly in this piece, and I know in Bettina's piece that's the case, it's, it's very... And I don't know if that has something to do with coming from a visual arts background. I know when we look at images or video documentation, Zohar and I both, we see images, we see sculpture, mm -hmm. um, snapshots. It's like, hold this. So there's also an element of live sculpture. But just to answer your question more specifically, yes, everything is really a specific choice. Um, in this case, I would like personally to have had more time to look at those elements, but mm -hmm. I also trust in the choices that my collaborator, collaborator has made in relation to the visual elements. So, and we also have been, we're still um, fine tuning the, the soundtrack. Okay. So <laughs> it's a, I also see the process, it's never ending. Sometimes when I was working in theater years ago, um, there are certain directors who wouldn't give you notes during the show. It was a big like taboo. But I also preferred to work with writers and directors who continued to give notes throughout the process. It's never evolving. Yeah, thing. the performance is not some kind of you know magical moment. It's it's process. It's work. It's a job site, and you continue to work, and you continue to receive feedback on that work, both positive and negative. And I think that that's really important to the process. Well, it's all the time we have for this week. So just to remind everyone, um, this is a show that's being presented this week at Tangente, at the Studio Hydro-Québec at the Monument National. Uh, it will be at 7.30 p.m. on October 30th, 31st, and November 1st, and at 4 p.m. on Sunday, November 2nd. So just remind also, it was uh, Bettina Hoffman talking to us about her piece, Isolation, and yeah. Mary Williamson saint and Zohar Melnek uh, talking to us about Nation Individual. So thank you everyone so much for coming on. Thank so you, thank, thank you, you so much. So right before we go, we'll leave you off with an excerpt from the score that was created by Zohar Melnek from his piece, Nation Individual, with Mary saint Williamson.
Dirty Feet was previously recorded at the Montreal Improv Theatre and is currently recorded out of Mainline Theatre. Thanks, dudes. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par... Produced and hosted by Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Moret-Robert. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com, follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast. Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.